We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Bronx Pinstripe Show number 24. Uh, last week, we called our show Ref Snyder Has Arrived, and one week later, Ref Snyder has gone back down. So I think for Scott, it's been a rough 12 hours for you, right? You've been doing a lot of driving, and then find out Ref Snyder news. Uh, how you doing? I'm tired. Um, this is show 24, which is kind of ironic, I'd say, since we're talking about our new second baseman being sent down, and then Robbie Cano 
you know, having a, uh, a pretty good series, or at least in the second game. Um, yes, I'm very disappointed, though. I'm very disappointed that Ref Center is not on the team any longer. Um, hopefully it's a short-term thing, but... Uh, yeah, I've been driving for the past couple of days on a, uh, my family is in, we're in Florida right now on a vacation and my wife and I decided to drive it. So, um, yeah, so I've been, uh, you know, I've been sucking back on a few beers since I got here just to kind of numb the pain of driving, you know, for on 95 for hours upon hours upon hours, but I'm ready to go, baby. You know, we took two of three. So uh, good start to the second half. I think the longest trip I've done in a car was from school in Vermont down to Philadelphia, and we just hit, like, hours of traffic. I think it took us, like, 12 hours or something nuts to get down there. And then I told myself, never again am I spending that long in a car. So I don't even know how the hell – and I know you're only coming from Virginia, but still, that's a long way down to Florida. Oh, I torture myself a lot. I'm in the car. I I prefer driving. I don't know. I just like having a vehicle wherever I go, so – like I'm up and back through Virginia and uh, New York. Like it seems like you know two or three times a month now, and I'm um, we used to do. I'll never forget the longest trip. One of the longest trips I had when I was in school. We would go from Jersey to um, Old Dominion, where I went to college in Norfolk, Virginia, and it was around Christmas. And uh, we went 95, which is I, I, I never took 95 after that. And I think it took us like 16 hours. Mm-hmm. It took us like seven hours to get from Baltimore or from DC to Baltimore. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and that's like a 45 minute drive normally. Yeah, right? it's yeah. yeah, it's stupid. It was unbelievable. But um, you know, I have some very vivid childhood memories from driving down. I grew up in uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey, in Bergen County, and we would always take the old school station wagon, like the old school Buick station wagon, like straight out of vacation Chevy Chase style, <laughs> and we would drive down. Um, my brother, sister, and my mother would drive down to Vero Beach, Florida every summer. Um, so we would always do that really long drive. I mean, I remember this thing like it was an old school station wagon. My mom would, she would literally at some point, I don't even know what was going on, like the starter or something was wrong, but we had a stick that she would like take the stick out of the trunk or out of like the third seat and go open the hood and like bang on something. <laughs> and then the car would start and we'd keep going. That sounds like it's a foolproof plan. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a a good a good childhood memory of of road trip, but we did it every single summer. So I like that. I like that move. When something's broken, just whack just, it or, just or smack it. Yeah, yeah. Just keep beating it until it works or breaks. Yeah. It's like an old Nintendo. You just got to smack oh the hell out of it God. until it works again. Oh, or you just blow in the cartridge because that blow in the cartridge every yep. single time. Yep, that's right. That's right. So, so it's only been uh, three games this week, but I feel like there's been a lot going on. Obviously, home run derby and all star game. Did you watch it? I did. It was, you know, we're going to talk, I think, about the um, the Derby itself. I think the Derby was actually more exciting than the game this year. Um, the new format of the Derby, I thought was, uh, no pun intended, but a home run. I think they <laughs> hit it on the head, right? They, they, did, they did a really good job. And they with, got kind of uh, lucky with it, though. How do you, how do you say they got lucky? Well, well because of... Uh, so they had the new format going in, um, yeah. the timed rounds, but they were supposed to be five minutes each. But because there was uh, weather concerns, they bumped it down to four minutes each. And instead of stopping it every home run in the last minute, they just added a 30-second bonus round uh, after your time is up, almost like extra time in soccer. So it really made everything go quicker. And I think for something like a home run derby, you get in and out of there in two hours, and then it, it's it's exciting. But if you're dragging it out for three hours, I think it would have kind of lost, uh, lost some of the, the momentum. Yeah, so I didn't even catch that actually because I came to the – I think I caught it starting in the second round. So I, did, I missed the delay and everything. I was kind of fortunate they were still going. Um, I had a softball game or something that day. 
we uh, so I didn't, I didn't even know that they did that. I just saw the thirty second. I thought that was part of the new format. So that is interesting. But it, it worked really well, and the thirty second ending was awesome. Like it was a cool extra time thing. Yeah. No, I mean it was. I mean I can't remember the last time baseball has made like a a rule change to anything, even as you know as meaningless as the home run derby. But um, and it for it to be that successful. So um, I thought overall this was probably one of the most memorable. All Star Weeks um, since since maybe I don't know I mean Yankee Stadium since Yankee Stadium one yeah. or or the one before that was probably the one at Fenway when McGuire was hitting moon balls over over the Mass Pike you know those are like the, the things that stick out in my mind yeah I think my fa- one of my favorite um, All Star moments was when Josh Hamilton just went bonkers in Yankee Stadium and. Like I, I, all I did was the next day I'm just like, can we please some get this guy in pinstripes somehow? Get this guy in pinstripes. All I wanted was Josh. He was one of my favorite players beforehand, just because I, I just I, I kind of when I look at him as an athlete, I'm I'm enamored by the way or you know not not right now because he's been hurt and obviously with the whole drug thing, but he's just such a freak of an athlete because he's a massive human being and he's just so athletic that he's fun to watch when he's on his game. So that was that was a real sp- special one for me. Absolutely. And, you know, about the All-Star game, like you said, the Home Run Derby kind of overshadowed it this year. And I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. But can can baseball stop, you know, with these 45-minute, you know, on-field ceremonies before every All-Star game? I mean, it's great to see the past legends and everything, but they roll them out for every chance they get. And it's like the game is supposed to start at 8 o'clock, and it's not starting until 8.45 because they did, like, the franchise four for every franchise. And then they had to announce everybody, you know, who was in the game and everything. Start that crap at 7 o'clock and just get the game going. It's just it's just kind of, like, lost momentum for me. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the fact that they start too late. I think that's one of the big issues because I, I actually like the fact that they have a lot of the um, history of baseball because I think baseball is probably – uh, of the big four sports, you know, baseball is obviously the one that you really relish history and the numbers. Like, they're so important. That's why, like, the whole steroid era was such a scar on the sport. Um, so I think that the, the the history and the the players of the past in baseball are just extremely important to, you know, the fabric of the game. And I think it's important for them to roll them out, especially for the younger fans, so that they can see who these guys are and and – you know, with today's day and age and the attention spans where they are and like everything with is so instant, I think it is important actually still to to roll these guys out there and make sure that they're um you know that they're they're in the in front of the new fans as well. So I, I do wish they started earlier though. Yeah, so I mean, you talk. I, I love seeing um the the historic guys as well. I mean, to see Willie Mays out there, I mean, it's still great. Um, but you know, they talk about these four living legends that were out there. Um, it was Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Sandy Koufax, and Johnny Bench. I mean, four of the all-time greatest players of all time. But I understand baseball is trying to sweep the steroid era under the rug. But how can you look like people in the eye and say Barry Bonds or Ken Griffey Jr. is not one of the four living legends, or you not one of, or not one of the living legends of baseball? Those are two of the greatest baseball players I've ever seen and probably ever will see steroids or no steroids. Well, I mean, you answered your own question. I think it is the steroids. Um, and even the fact that Griffey was never even remotely attached to anything, he was still playing in that era, but I, I still don't put like Griffey with like some of those, some of those, like the top, 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 top guys. Um, and you're telling I, I can't me Griffey's wing. not as good as Johnny bench. Well, I can't wing off their stats right now. I'm not going to talk to like their stats right now because – and you're comparing a center fielder and a catcher. I think they're two different things. And I think Johnny Bench was such a fabric of that team. 
um, for such a long time. Um, but like, th- there's because there's other guys that you miss. Like, where's Yogi in that? Why is Yogi not on that list? I think Yogi should absolutely be on that list um, if you're going to talk about. But but again, then you're splitting hairs. You're talking about four people, and like, oh, if you're going to ask a hundred people, and a hundred people have different opinions of their four people. So of course, yeah. So I mean, we're splitting hairs with that type of thing. But you know, it's. I, like, think about the way that they started this game. And then they, they do this with all sports now. Like, what about the Women's World Cup? That thing was, I thought, was supposed to start at 5 o'clock. Then they, as soon as I tune in at 5 o'clock, they have a two-hour countdown. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what am I supposed to listen to? Pre-game on women's soccer for two hours? Are you crazy? Yeah, but at least you know soccer's over in 90 minutes no matter what. Yeah, well, I still don't know how much extra time they put on, which I still don't understand that. <laughs> like, it's just like, they just randomly put random time at the end. Yeah. That's another thing, but uh, anyway. So, but the the players, like, I wish they'd started a little earlier. But I mean, I'm I'm a fan of them bringing them out because, you know, I think history is such a big part of the sport, and uh, I like seeing those guys out there. So, I wish Yogi was part of that though, because he is, to me, um, you know, one of the one of the all time greats. And I I like what Manfred and his staff has been doing. I think they've made in his short time as commissioner have been making some good moves to actually make some positive changes to the game. The home run derby is an example. So, um, you know, I, I really can't say anything negative about the whole week overall, which is pretty rare for me. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, you're, you, uh, you like to shine the negative. I mean, they're, they're there. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, and, you know, he, he brought Pete Rose back in Cincinnati, which I thought was a great move. Um, I know people, uh, some people have very different opinions on, on Pete Rose and, um, you know, what his contribution and participation in baseball should be at this point, if he should come back or if he shouldn't. Um, I personally think he should be back. I think what he did on the field should stand alone to the the things that happen outside the game and what he did for the game. It's not outside the game though. We disagree <laughs> on this. I mean, we didn't. We even, do disagree. We, I didn't even ask you about this earlier, but clearly we disagree on this. What yeah. he gambling on the game is not outside of the game. Well, as a player, and you're, I don't, I don't want to get into a whole Pete Rose discussion because <laughs> I think it's it could go forever. But um, you know what he did on the field. That was uh, that was just so good. I mean, he's one of the greatest players that ever played the game, hands down, hands down. And the way he played the game was not uh, in a positive way, not affected. Uh, anyway, whatever. It was. I thought it was cool to see him back, especially that it was in Cincinnati. I thought that was a good move, and uh, you know, you could tell that he was just. He, I don't like his hair anymore. <laughs> he needs to dude, stop. Dude, he needs his to hair. stop jet like putting that yeah, like, just like, jet black dye in his hair. Like, dude, you're old. We know yeah, you're embrace old. it. Yeah, embrace it. Like, man. it's There's okay wrong with it. Yeah, <laughs> like we don't need you know um, hair club for men or whatever it's called. Like, dude, just 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 go go natural. Yeah, it, it was weird looking, but um, yeah, I thought it was cool to see him out there. Um, okay, last thing I'll say about Pete Rose, and this actually ties into the steroid thing too. I would be all for uh, allow. I actually want these guys to be in the Hall of Fame, but they need to be um, described for what they were. You know, there was an era where um, there were steroids and Pete Rose gambled on baseball. Why can't they include that in the Hall of Fame? Isn't the Hall of Fame a museum? Aren't you supposed to, like, tell the facts of what happened? So Well, they do because they have fabrics of these guys, like, uh, Barry Bonds bats there. Pete Rose, like some of the bases that he stole or the hits uh, for when he got those final hits. Those things, those those pieces of memorabilia, actually are in the Hall of Fame. So, so they should they be talk in the about Hall it. They just don't have busts there. Yeah, they're all they, plaques. Yeah, I mean they should be, but they should also be you know described for what they were, just like any other negative time in history is in a museum. Um, anyway, you're right. We don't need to get into this. We got other stuff to talk about. Um, uh, one other thing that happened this week when there was no sports going on was the ESPYs 
and uh, two Yankees or ex-Yankees of note were there, A-Rod and Jeter. Yeah, and Jeter just looking uh, looking dapper as, as he always is. Uh, the man just uh, he can do no wrong at this point. You know, it's it's always good to see him. And I feel like Yankee fans just go crazy when they see him out in public now. It's just it's like it's, it's like, like seeing the Pope. You know, yeah, it's it's like seeing the White Whale. It's like you, yeah. you don't know when he's going to appear, but when he does, you, you got to watch. Yep. And then A Rod, I know. I think we 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 kind of were uh, you know DMing each other when this when this was going down, but. Like I thought the A Rod skit was so stupid. I just thought it just should have been left out. I didn't think it was done well at all. Like I think the whole premise behind it was dumb. I just, I just to me it's like, you know, I, I've been complimenting him all year, and I'm not gonna say anything bad because I just think it was a dumb thing. Personally, like, I don't really care one way or another about it. I just think it should have been left out and very easily could have been left out because it did nothing for anybody. It just wasn't funny. It, there was nothing about it that was good, in it, my opinion. It definitely was not funny. Um, it was supposed to be funny, and it wasn't. So, you know, you can you can criticize a or not a Rod because he didn't write it. Who you can criticize a Rod? He signed off on judgment. it. He signed off on yeah. the writing. You can, can you can criticize him for participating in it. But I think the fact that he was acknowledging. Uh, he was making fun of himself. He he recognizes the fact that he has things to apologize for, like doing steroids and being suspended from baseball and lying and all the crap that happened over the last few years. He needs to apologize for. And he was kind of poking fun at himself, apologizing for everything else except that, which I actually think is in line with A-Rod this year of sort of, you know, becoming a new person and and actually changing his ways instead of just doing same old A-Rod stuff. But that's the thing. Like, to me, what that whole skit is doing is kind of making light of the situation. And the people that are, yeah, are but that's hating a step on in him, the right direction. I totally disagree. I think it's making light of the situation of, of like saying, hey, it's not that it's it's pretty it's a lighthearted situation when it's not. It's very serious to a lot of people. And I, I think that's what is going to rub even more people. Along. It's a little bit arrogant. And I think him stepping in the background, attending them, sitting with Jeter would have been awesome. But him getting on the forefront was, to me, actually his old ways. Hey, I'm here. I'm, I want some attention. Look at me. I'm, I'm going to do something that's that's out of the ordinary and stick out like a sore thumb. That's that's what I saw. That's the way I took that. And, I, you know, he's been sitting in the background doing his job, shutting his mouth all season long. Just keep doing that. It's working. Don't do something. Stop trying to stick out. I, I, I just I didn't agree with the move at all. You just don't like A-Rod. I, I don't look. You know my opinion on A Rod. Everybody who listens to the show knows my opinion on A Rod. But I, I've I've said time and time again. I respect the way that he's handled himself this year. I do. I don't respect what he's done in the past, but I respect him the way he handles himself this year. I really do. I think he's done a terrific job. I think this was just a little thing. But I, again, like I said, I don't think it's I don't think it's serious at all. Like I, I forgot about it. I just thought it was dumb when I was watching it. Well, just like the rest of the SBs, you forgot about it because that's what the SBs is. So. It's a time when you're not supposed to be taking things too seriously. After all, we're talking about sports here. So I had no problem with A-Rod being there and doing what he did. And again, it was good to see Jeter um, in his uh, patented now suit with white shirt, no tie unbuttoned. I think that's like his go-to look now, if you haven't noticed. Oh, yeah, he's just he's just like, I'm not going to wear a tie because I'm retired and I, I look sweet as hell. Yeah, he's and got that beach about glow. It. Yeah, oh, dude, he's he's killing it. He's killing it. His teeth are like whiter than they've ever been. He's got a tan. He's he's got you know one of the most beautiful women on his on his arm now, and like like he doesn't ever. I mean, he always had that, but 
Um, did you see his she's red like carpet? Did yeah. you see his red carpet uh, interview? I did not see his red carpet. Interview. So he was asked if he misses baseball at all, and he was like, "No, not at all. In fact, I haven't really watched any baseball this year." Yeah, he's been saying that. A, he's saying that a <laughs> bit actually. He's he's definitely enjoying the retired life. He's uh, he's 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 definitely taking it all in. So good for him. He deserves it. Yeah. All right. So you ready to get a little mad? Let's talk. Let's talk. So everyone by now probably knows the Ref Snyder news that he was optioned back to AAA to make room for, uh, in reality, Brendan Ryan. I know it was for Carlos Beltran today. We're recording on Sunday night. Uh, but really, it was for Brendan Ryan as the backup infielder. Uh, we'll get into everything in a minute. But first, I think we want to read a mailbag from somebody we got just this afternoon when um, when the news came, right? Yeah. So this is from Nolan on Twitter. I'm sorry, Nolan, we didn't get your your Twitter handle. So guys, if you're leaving mailbags on the website, please also put your Twitter handle in the body of your message uh, because sometimes it's acting a little funny. So uh, this is what Nolan had to say. Optioning Ref Snyder proves Cashman and the rest of the front office are not remotely focused on the future of this team. His constant love for 35-year-old veterans is appalling. And the fact that the Yankees chose two horribly incompetent (laughs) second basemen is jaw-dropping. Somebody deserves to be fired. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Nolan. Appreciate you uh, writing in. And uh, obviously, we're fired up when, when this news broke. Um, I think uh, Andrew and I are both uh, on similar pages um, w- with the whole Ref Snyder news. So. so definitely love the passion there. And I think a lot of people felt that way, too. I was, um, I was, w- I was in New York this weekend. Um, we'll get into that in the- later. I was at Friday night's game. But uh, I was waiting for a table for brunch th- uh, late this morning. And all of a sudden, I see Twitter blowing up that Ref Snyder was sent down, and it just immediately sort of just put a damper on on my on my day because even though he hadn't, you know, he was you know two for twelve or whatever it was when he was up, it, it was still exciting to see him out there, and I think it was something we all wanted to see, and to choose essentially Brendan Ryan, who has not been on the team all year because he's been injured, so he hasn't helped the team all year, and he really they've are in first place without Brendan Ryan as your backup infielder to choose him over Ref Snyder just makes no friggin' sense to me. I, I just, I can't wrap my brain around this move. Well, the other thing about it is that he's choosing Steven drew over Ref Snyder as well as the starter because Ref Snyder's not going to be a backup, right? So he's also right, making that right. choice. Yes. So there's, there are two choices in this, in this, uh, this pure or this threesome <laughs> and Brendan Ryan it just goes back. I mean, Nolan's absolutely right. Girardi is enamored with veterans. He loves his veterans, especially defensive-minded. It's like he loves himself because <laughs> that's what he was, right? He was like the defensive backup for a long time, and that was like his role. So like he relates to those guys and and always, it seems like, kind of you know teeters on that side for, for those guys. And it's frustrating seeing... 180, Stephen Drew, one, uh, he may be lower than that by now, but you know, seeing him uh, getting basically uh, you know, a head nod for starting second base again. Yeah, it, it was four games he didn't start, the two before the All-Star break and then the two after the All-Star break. Ref Snyder started all those games, and um, again, while the stats might not be eye-popping, I think he really provided something to the team. And being at the game on Friday night, something I noticed, he was a, playing a pretty good second base. He made some tough plays. He needed to make some tough throws, and he made them all. And it, it it was something that I didn't expect him to do because that was the whole knock on him, right? That his defense was pretty bad uh, and needed to improve. But he showed he could handle 
at least defense on the major league level. And you had to have think the offense will eventually come. So if he's going to be playing defense, you know, at least average or above average, there's no possible need for Steven Drew to be starting second base. No, I, I agree. And he made he made kind of a ridiculous play, a backhand. I think it was Friday night. That backhand, um, it was a backhand toss. He yep. was coming, coming. He was charging a ball and made the backhand toss, and it actually went over the runner's right shoulder. Yep. Uh, to to Didi at short. It was a crazy play, like that nobody would have made. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting down the right field line, um, in the in the middle section at the game that night, um, sort of halfway between uh the foul pole and first base so so mid mid right field and when yeah. that ball was hit i saw ref snyder charging i was thinking in my head just make the sure out at first you know don't try and be a hero here he tried to be a hero and he got the play done and it's sort of you know it got me out of my seat cheering for him because yeah it, it was a great play well it was one of those like no 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 oh yes i can't yes. believe you got that like, yes. i can't believe that ball actually went through um but yeah you know, if he makes that play ten out of ten times, and and he has a decision, I want <laughs> honestly, I'd rather him nine out of ten times to go to first <laughs> because that play that he made was, um, I, th- I think, a little lucky as well. But but it shows his athleticism as well. It shows how athletic the kid is, and, and um, he's not he does have some instincts. No, yeah. he he did it immediately, absolutely. So um, yeah, I agree with that. If he's playing average second base, which Stephen Drew kind of is, he's middle in the pack, defensive second baseman right now. Uh, there's no reason for him because that bat's going to come alive. I mean, he hits every level. So, and not to mention, he just sparks the team. He's he's more athletic. He's faster. He's you know every he time every time he came to the plate on Friday night, it got the whole place cheering. I know, and that's and that's that's something because getting the crowd in Yankee Stadium going to me is important in home games. Um, and he just shows he. he it's so frustrating just talking about you this. Think and, people are going to be on their feet cheering to hear Stephen Drew called up to the plate. No, they're going to be booing. They're going to be because we're all sick and tired of seeing him get one big hit and then stre- and then go one for twenty seven after that. And it happens every single time. That's what this dude does. He goes one for twenty seven in just in batches. <laughs> so here's what I would like. Um, I'd say cut Brennan Ryan because <laughs> really, what's the difference? He hasn't been here all year. You cut him. Right. You didn't lose anything there. Have Ref Snyder be the starting second baseman, and Stephen Drew can be the utility guy for second and short. And I understand if you want to play Stephen Drew, um, like, for instance, in a game like today against Felix Hernandez, a nasty right-hander. Okay, you don't want to throw out Ref Snyder, a rookie, against probably the best right-hander in baseball? I totally understand that. You know, give him a day off there. But he should be playing every time against lefties and against most right-handed players. That can be five times a week. And that's a full-time role. Why can't he just be that? I have no idea. I want to hear the reasonings why. I mean, we you, Cashman was saying that uh, they wanted options going into the trade trade deadline. So we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. <clears throat> but this kid needs to be back up. I mean, I know how many Yankee fans are disappointed when they saw that because everybody was pumped up. And just to see him get a, such a small sample size and, to me, not really given a shot. Um, you know, he got his, his legs cut out from under him, in my opinion. Can you explain to me what having Stephen Drew and Brendan Ryan on the roster does for options going into the trade deadline? No, I don't get it. I mean, I know Girardi likes flexibility, so those two guys can play multiple positions, and Ruff Snyder's a one-position guy right now. So that's the only thing I could think of, and the fact that they have options. I don't know. I'm defending something I can't stand, so I don't even want to defend it anymore. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. I think Brendan Ryan should be... Um, should be off the team, and I like. I don't mind Stephen Drew in that in that role. I think you know he's got flexibility as the, as a defensive late inning guy, 
um, at short and second, and I think he could even play a little third. Um, and then he's got pop, you know. He's got pop where he can hit late in games if you need a big home run or if you need an extra base hit. He's got some pop that that's not a bad uh, pinch hit situation too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, would be, I don't get it. I don't get it. I would be fine if you had to have a spot start for Drew at third or something. I feel I, I feel confident that he could play an adequate third base. Yeah, absolutely. I do too. I agree. So, all right. I, I hate the move. I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's enough bitching about the ref center move. Do you feel any better? Do you feel like you got something off your chest there? No, because he's not going to be at second base tomorrow. And that's what's going to piss me off. Uh, <laughs> some other moves that went down this week. Um, we just mentioned the Brendan Ryan thing, but uh, Gregorio Petit was optioned back to AAA for that. Um, other call-ups were uh, Brendan Pinder was called up and Brian Mitchell, who had been with the team for a little while, was sent down. Uh, the reason for this is because they said they wanted to stretch Mitchell back out. He had mainly been uh, being used in the majors as a short inning guy, but he's a starter, um, and I think they want to see where he can progress as a starter, and having him pitch out of the bullpen one or two days a week was not really helping that progression. So they sent him back down to AAA to get some starts. Yeah, and a note on him too is I think he's going to be one of the guys that, that very well could be moved as well. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, think I if we're not that. going after some of the top line uh, free or trade uh, uh trade baits like a Cueto or um you know going after some or somebody like that i think brian mitchell will be you know he's like he's he's a he's a good prospect but he's not a top prospect he's got a live arm and he's more valuable as a starter so i think they're going to show that value um to maybe entice some things at the trade deadline too so i think that's part of the move yeah opinion. you could sell him to a team as a really high upside guy with with good stuff right um and and a team will 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 accept him, you know, but you're right, not as a top prospect, as a high upside mid-level prospect guy. And exactly. as the Yankees, you don't mind giving up a guy like that for somebody who will help you this year trying to get into the playoffs and hopefully win a championship. Right, no doubt about it. So I think that was a big part of that move as well. Um, last move of the week was Gary Sanchez was promoted to AAA because Austin Romine had a little bit of a thumb injury. And Romine was actually having a good year. He made the all-star team for AAA. Uh, but Sanchez was called up from Double A, and in his first at bat, hit a home run. Yeah, good for him. I mean, it seems like we have a lot of guys now lined up in Triple A. It seems you know a lot of the um, the Double A guys that we've been looking at. There's a couple still down there, but um, that's, the majority of them are up in Triple A now. So that means they're one one short step away um, uh, from from the bigs, and you know their their level of competition for these guys is is upped obviously because they're at a, a higher level now. So we can kind of see a little bit more of what they have and. Um, yeah, uh, talking about Romine too. Romine's a guy that um, you know he never really uh, he was always known for more as a, more of a defensive catcher. But you know he's hitting I think what high two sixties, two seventy this year. He, he's had a great year, um, and this is a guy that was that was released and signed back in the off season. So um, you know, good for Romine. Uh, hopefully he can uh, come back from that thumb injury. But you know, again, <laughs> Gary Sanchez is a guy I would I would also key in on and and, and take a look at because I think he is part of uh, some of these packages that might be getting shopped at the deadline. Totally agree with that. He he's the most attractive catcher as far as trade bait in in the system that they have. Yeah, and I think he's probably the top guy that we're willing to give up from everything we're hearing. I think he's one of the top guys that we're willing to give up because, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this in the past, but I don't see them giving up Severino, Judge, um, or Ref Snyder. Well, shit, maybe Ref Snyder now. Who knows what Ref Snyder? I don't even know what they think about this guy anymore. So I was listening to um, one of the uh, Buster Only podcasts. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to that, uh, but he was talking about some. Pro- he had a guy on talking about prospects, and the guy said that the two untouchables in the Yankee system were Judge and Severino. He did not yeah. mention Ref Snyder. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Uh, 
just because uh, there's no we, nobody has a, a finger on the pulse with Ref Snyder right now because of what they've been you know what they've been doing with him and and just kind of the way they talk about him and they just don't I feel like the Yankees don't feel like he's ready I, I, for some reason they feel that way um, so yeah I, I, I it makes a lot of sense and um, that's kind of what I'm thinking too I think those two guys are untouchable. All right, you want to get into a recap of the weekend series? Yeah, let's do it. So the Yankees are 50 and 41, first team in the division to get to 50 wins. They're nine games over 500. They'll be going for 10 over 500 on Monday night, which is good. Um, that's sort of one of those mini milestones that you sort of strive for in the season. And they're four up on Baltimore. So they're actually putting a little distance between themselves in this division, which we didn't think was going to happen. We didn't think any of this was going to happen. Let's let's just let's talk about that. The fact that we have a chance of getting ten games uh, above five hundred—that's <clears throat> phenomenal uh, for where we you know we thought this uh, this team was going to be, and a lot of people thought this team was going to be. And I thought they were going to be good. I think they were going to be uh, at this point during the season, you know, four four almost five games up. So, yeah, no, that's that's very good news. Uh, definitely trending in the right direction with another series win too. Yep. Hopefully, you know, this 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 weekend. I was just going to say that their fifth series win in a row, and it's you know. We kept talking about how streaky this team was. They would go right. on, you know, nine out of ten game winning streaks, and then they'd go two and eight in their next ten. It's like, you know, where's the middle ground with this team? And you win, you know, two out of three games. That's a pretty damn good season, six hundred, you know, plus winning percentage, and that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, I'll take it all day. You know, um, the past the past two shows that, that you and I have been talking about, the you know, the Yankees have stayed relatively consistent and. Uh, it's like they've turned a corner with the inconsistent play, and they've really kind of found their their happy medium. We're getting good pitching, um, and and the bats are you know we're definitely hitting for more average now, and I think that's a big part of it. I think we're getting uh, that's that's part of like you know discontinuing discontinuing the streaky play is that we're not completely living and dying by the home run ball um, this weekend you know, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it, I mean it's definitely still happening. Don't get me wrong, but we we are hitting for a higher average as a team. I think over the past few weeks. So Friday night, they won 4-3. to three. Tanaka started. It was the first game after the break. Um, Tanaka was good except for two pitches to Kyle Seager, which he missed location, and Seager hit two home runs. But his final line was seven innings, five hits. Those three earned runs came off all of the home runs on Seager, and he had seven strikeouts. He worked out of a bases-loaded jam in the second. Um, so, you know, not a dominant start, but, but solid. Yeah, no, again, that's it's good to see him uh, come back out. Seven strikeouts, I like it. Uh, seven innings pitch, so he got deep in the game. Um, you know, only five hits. So, yeah, a positive positive outing. And, you know, Seattle over, overall is not a great lineup, but they do have two of the, the most, uh, the scariest hitters in baseball, I'd say, with Cano. I mean, Cano's not having a great season, but you know what he is. We all know what he is. He's a terrific hitter. He's one of the best hitters in baseball, in my opinion. Um, and then uh, Nelson Cruz, who's just been unconscious for the past two years. So, you know, uh, while the the lineup isn't as strong, and then Seager obviously had the best of him uh, in that particular game. So, uh, but yeah, he did well, and it was uh, it was good to see him uh, come back out and give another uh, quality start. You know who else I like in that Seattle lineup who's having kind of a bounce back year is Trumbo. He used to be with the Angels. Yep. He sort of seems like he's turned his career around a little bit. I mean, his numbers aren't eye popping, but he had a couple of hits this weekend, and I sort of forgot about uh, Trumbo, and then all of a sudden he popped back up on, on yeah, the radar think- with Seattle. Well, he got hidden last year in Arizona. Was he in Arizona last year? I don't even remember. I think he was. I think he got he got dealt to Arizona at some point. Uh, he might have been there for two years, actually. Um, but it seems like uh, his. I don't know what his numbers are, but he was always with the Angels. I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to come up and be a really good player. I mean, he and made he the All Star team a couple years ago. Yeah, and he has he has tremendous power too. And he was one of those guys on Friday. I was listening to um, 
uh, the game on Saturday on the radio a little bit as well. And John Sterling and uh, Susan Waldman were talking about Trumbo in particular, about how when they saw him with the Angels coming up, that they really thought he was going to be a good player. And, you know, he wasn't striking out a lot, making a lot of contact. And I think this was exa- this conversation was going on when he had an 11-pitch at-bat um, <laughs> on Saturday. So uh, against Pineda. Yeah. All right, well, last thing from Friday night is A-Rod had the big hit in the seventh yep. inning. Um, stadium went wild for it. I mean, I don't know. I'm running out of things to say about A-Rod. <laughs> oh, dude, it's on the field. It's tremendous. It's ridiculous what he's been doing. So, yeah, I mean, it was a huge home run. And I think a lot of people, including me, have talked about A-Rod with his, um, his home runs coming late in games or in blowouts, uh, late in games when the, the games are either out of reach or, or we have a big lead. Um, so seeing him in a big situation like that, but he's been doing it all year too. Um, so get a huge home run is is awesome. Yep. Uh, so if you date uh, from Friday night back through the four games previous to that, so including the three games in Boston, he had a go ahead RBI in each of those games. Awesome. That's so good. To, I mean, who the hell thought we were going to be talking about him in this regard uh, after the All Star break? It's crazy. So. Good for him, man. He's he's doing a good job, and he's he's really helping this team. He's, we wouldn't be here without him. And Batances and Miller closed the door on Friday night. Tanaka to Batances to Miller is pretty much how you drop. Oh, win. game over, dude. I mean, that's awesome. That's that's what we want. And uh, you know, having Batances and Miller in the back end is just such a huge, huge, huge um, win for this team. Uh, every time they come out, you're expecting a W. So watch out later in the season, man. That's lethal. All right, Saturday night did not, or Saturday afternoon did not go as well, and Cano pretty much stole the show that day. Yeah, two home runs off Pineda. Uh, that was the one I was listening to um, in and out on the radio <laughs> when I had signals. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, the the go ahead two was a two run home run um, off of Pineda was a, was kind of a backbreaker and it was the difference in the game. Yeah, he hit two two run home runs, so he yep. had the entire Seattle offense, and the one he hit in the first inning was just. An absolute blast. Dead center field. It was a line shot. Crushed it. It got me sort of missing Robbie Cano. <laughs> well, doesn't this... Does I think this leads to your point, right? And I hope people in Seattle are listening so you guys can talk complete trash to Andrew after you listen to this. But this just proves that how miserable he is in Seattle. Because when he comes home, all he does is hit. <laughs> he comes back to New York and he just starts hitting the ball because he, you know, the stadium lines up for him perfectly. It does. It just, it just it absolutely proves that it was a really stupid baseball move for him to go out to the, the great abyss, the great hole in Seattle for, for his career. So, you know, enjoy the money, Robbie. I, I mean, I really do think I mean, he could still be, go down in history as one of the greatest offensive second basemen ever, even playing in Seattle. But I think if he played his entire career in Yankee Stadium with the short porch and everything, I mean, you're looking at you know potentially 400 home runs and going down in history as probably the best hitting second baseman of all time. Yeah, would, he would be in the conversation, no doubt about it. And uh, yes, staying in Yankee Stadium would have absolutely helped to that. Um, going out to Seattle is giving him a much larger task uh, to to get to that point. So. You know, I, I don't. I think his numbers will dramatically drop off, uh, especially as he starts getting older. Uh, that 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 ballpark's just going to get bigger and bigger to him. <laughs> so Pineda did not look as sharp in this game, and uh, potentially a reason for this is because he had eight days rest in between starts. Yes, yeah, the second time that he's had uh, long rest um, in between starts, and the first time he did not do well. Uh, again, he obviously does not 
um, bounce back from extra rest. I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, he, he needs his, his habits and he's, he's definitely a creature of them. So, um, he's proving that, you know, he needs that, that, that standard norm and, and he needs to stay on his own schedule. So the things I saw out of him in this game, uh, we've been talking all year about how good his strikeout to walk ratio is. It was, it is still one of the best in baseball, but he had two walks and only two strikeouts on Saturday he was kind of wild, um, not only within the strike zone, but he was falling behind a lot of hitters, wasn't able to use his off-speed stuff low in the zone for strikeouts. So, uh, I mean, he didn't pitch bad. I mean, he only he gave up four runs. Cano beat him twice. So, I mean, you, you can't really say he went out there and got rocked, but at the same time, it was not the Pineda we've seen for the last, you know, three, two or three starts before this. Yeah, and again, from the from the little bit I could catch on the radio was, was that I heard from what um... – John and Susan were saying was that his slider was just not on at all. Yeah, it was flat. And it was, it was, very it was flat. just a yeah, it was a it was a bad pitch, and he couldn't locate it, and it wasn't it wasn't sharp. So, um, and and Susan Wallman was making some great points, and when when his slider's not on, he's a he's a completely different pitcher. Um, so he he really needs that pitch for him to succeed. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's probably his his best pitch. Yeah, oh, it is. It's it's filthy when it's on. And today they they got the win, the series win. It was a two to one victory. All all of the games this weekend were one run games. Um, they, you know, so we talked. That's about, good, man. Hey, winning winning one run games at this point in the season is phenomenal. Yeah, I will take it. I we, love it. We talked about last week how they were five hundred and one one run games. So yeah. they're improving on that record, which is which is good. That's part of the makeup of the team. I, I really, I truly believe that when you have these tight games like that and you come out victorious, is it really builds the team and and really helps uh, the team get tighter. Um, and you know they just get more used to situations that are you know that are more trying. Um, and it's a really good thing for a baseball team in the long run. I like this team in one run games, uh, especially at home, because not only their nasty bullpen, but also their home run potential. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I, you said it perfectly. That's exactly the reason. All right, CC pitched well today. Six innings, seven strikeouts, only one earned run, and only one walk. Um, it, it, and the th- the thing that I think stood out for me is um, he he had six innings. He pitched well. It was hot as balls out there today. It was like ninety five degrees in the Bronx, and Joe didn't push him. He he only had eighty seven pitches, but Joe went out there, and, or he he after the sixth inning, you know, good job, good job, big guy. You, you know, let the bullpen, you know get this get this game for us and and I think that's what the Yankees are going to start they're going to uh, need to start doing that with CC in the second half don't push him past that 6 inning threshold we've seen it in the beginning of the season he does not respond to it and we don't need to with the way that our bullpen is structured and the depth that we have in the bullpen um, with 8 and 9 locked down and we have you know multiple people that could come in and pitch that 7th inning we have the depth of who can do that and we have guys that that Girardi trusts um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great point. Keep him at six innings. If he's doing well outside that, even when his pitch count was where it is today, get him out of there, um, you know, and, and, and enjoy the rest of the game, kid. And we got this because our bullpen's filthy. So good for CC. That was a really good outing. Seven strikeouts in six innings. Um, only one run and one walk. I'll, I'll take that every single time. And then, and, you know, twice on Sunday because that's, that's exactly um, that's what we want from him. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier. The Seattle offense as a whole is not great. They're 14th in the league in runs scored, so they're pretty much at the bottom of the league. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, anytime you can get that kind of performance out of CC, you take it to the bank. Um, and then the, the the bullpen shut the door. Wilson, Batances, Miller combined three innings and only give up one hit. So that's uh, – we 
keep saying the same thing, but that's why you can only, that's why you feel comfortable just getting those six innings. So, yeah. And you know, Justin Wilson is just, uh, he's been awesome this whole year. He's really been good. He's been a great addition to this pen. So, um, and you know, the nice thing you can tell that Girardi's not really worried about the lefty righty matchup because a lot of these guys are in our bullpen, um, have success against both sides of the plate, which is a huge, huge plus. Uh, where because Girardi does have flexibility, then no matter what, you know what side of the you know what, what what arm they're throwing with. So, yeah, that's a great point. Shreve and Wilson have been effective against both, so definitely definitely a weapon out there. Um, and Beltron in his first day off the DL got a big hit off King Felix to tie the game in the sixth, and then Teixeira had a clutch go ahead home run in the eighth, um, and that was that was the whole offense. Do we still have to call him King after we've beaten him twice <laughs> in a row and just like just demolished him the first time i feel like i feel like i'm not gonna call him king anymore he's just felix to maybe felix the cat like you know he's, he's getting lower 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 and i'm liking it <laughs> um <laughs> i don't want to yeah. i don't want uh, to uh wait stir the pot yeah, i don't want to yeah. stir the pot okay with, with i'm knocking on wood right now yeah i just knocked on so um but yeah no it's uh it's good to see beltron uh, you know look he, he if you look at his numbers they're actually not that terrible uh, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like he's done anything this whole year so hopefully he can come back and and contribute a little bit to this team and and uh, especially on the offensive side i mean he's always been able to hit so hopefully he comes back and healthy and this rested him some good and he can uh, he can get hot in the second half all right two things that annoyed me from this series because you know i can't just have a nice weekend win series i got to find a couple things that piss me off um, Vidal Nuno, I don't know if you remember him, but he was... Oh, I, know, I remember Nuno. I remember him very well. Yep. Uh, he sucked for the Yankees last year, and they ended up trading him um, at the deadline last year. Uh, but he faced eight batters in this series and got all eight out. Yeah. He loves New York. You know, he was one of those guys, I think, that, that had some awesome pictures where he would go out and go clubbing in New York. He was like a big... He used to go out a lot in, the, in, in Manhattan. Um, so I think he loves New York and he relishes it and he was, uh, he was looking forward to it. So I don't know. Like, I don't really take, I know you're, you look into this and you get mad about, about seeing these guys come back and do I do well. because he sucks. He sucks. Yeah, he does, but he had a good day. He had a good series. So good for him. And we beat I'll, them two out of three. I'm happy. <laughs> and another Yankee ex Yankee who now kills the Yankees is Austin Jackson. I feel like everywhere he goes, he hits the Yankees and only the Yankees because he's a career like 262 hitter. And he's batting over 300 against the Yankees in his career. Yeah, and he's a guy who um, I guess the Yankees saw what he was going to be because I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a lot better than he is. Um, but I mean, he's had a couple good streaks. Uh, come on, was that the, that was the Phil Coke deal, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So they traded yeah. Austin Jackson and Phil Coke to Detroit for, right. um, and then uh, yeah, yeah, to Detroit, and then they got back Curtis Granderson. Right. So you know. Uh, at that time, I was—I think we we made out on the move because Grandy was good for um, you know at least the first year we had him. Um, but yeah, it, Austin Jackson just kind of turned into a, you know a decent player. Uh, but yeah, he came back and and had some good hits. Right? He was trying to stick it to him. He didn't like it. He didn't like the trade. He wanted to be this Yankee starting center fielder. Sorry, yeah. pal. Don't we all? Yeah, don't we? We do. All right, so that was uh, that was the a good weekend series, and they got three coming up against Baltimore, who's currently in second place, as we mentioned. So, it's at home against Baltimore. You win that series again, and you keep putting distance between you and second place. Dude, let's bury Baltimore. I want to bury them badly. They're they're one of those teams that I've just 
I used, when I was a kid, I used to go to Memorial um, Stadium a lot too. My stepmother is from Baltimore, so we would drive down and go to um, Memorial. And uh, so I used to see a lot of Yankees Orioles games in Baltimore. So they're one of those teams that I just want to bury. Jesus, you bury went them. to Memorial Stadium quite a few times. I, I actually have been there. I went to Memorial. I went to Yankee Orioles games in Memorial probably like thirty times. Like I went there a lot. You're yeah. showing your age. That's all right. I'm like a fine wine, baby. I just, I have, that's, that's what I'm telling you. History of baseball, it's important. I gotta, I gotta make sure that you guys all know about these things. That Camden Yards was not the only place that they played baseball. <laughs> have you been to Camden? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I've been there. My, my brother used to live in Baltimore, actually. So um, we used to go to Camden a lot. I mean, when the Orioles were bad five, six years ago, yeah. we, we used to get tickets like four rows back from the dugout for like seven bucks i know i remember we, i remember we would go and like literally pay seven dollars because he, he was in school so we would like use his student id pay seven dollars for some uh, like a bad seat and then we would just move up because nobody was there yeah. and nobody cared so yeah you, you could get four box seats to a weekend game uh, you know at baltimore for the price of like one upper deck seat at yankee stadium so the closest foul ball home run the closest ball i ever had was at memorial um, I think I was like 10 years old. I'll never forget this. It was Larry Sheets. Larry Sheets, who played for the Orioles at the time, hit a home run in the left field stands. And I was in the left field stands with my dad and my brother and my stepmom. And uh, the, the home run landed on the, in, in the row in front of me. And there was a kid there about the same age as me. And I jumped on this kid <laughs> trying to get the ball because like, that's all I cared about was getting that ball. I just needed that ball. And um, like he did like a tuck and roll and like I couldn't get to it. And then I got in so much trouble for like jumping on this kid. I'll never forget like my dad laid into me for, for like jumping on this kid. And then the kid was like bragging about having the ball for like three innings. I think it just made me so mad. Yeah, probably but, yeah that was, it sounds like he was a veteran of the foul ball because that no, might he be, got is he now, did he grow up to be foul ball guy who caught he might have been, home yeah. run? Yeah, he might have, he might be that kid actually. Yeah. You're right. And he might be that guy. So, um, yeah. If I see that kid in an alley, he's, he's done. All right, so that kind of wraps it up for the week because there were only three games, not a ton of stuff to talk about, but we did get a little bit angry about Ref Snyder. Um, hopefully we see him back soon because... We better um, see him back soon. Because I think we're both in agreement that it, it was just more... It was the step in the right direction for this team. You know, mixing the old with the new in first place getting some young blood in there i loved it hopefully we can get that going again soon but um we got uh, three versus baltimore and then three at minnesota this week and we'll catch you guys next hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show make sure you find us on itunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone if you do like the show We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.